Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. Today is Monday, May 30th. It's Memorial Day, and the Kansas City Today team is taking a well-deserved day off. But we're bringing you one of our favorite conversations from this year. This was the second year on the job for the first transgender lawmaker in Kansas, Representative Stephanie Byers of Wichita, a Democrat. She's experienced discriminatory comments from the public and fellow lawmakers. She sat through hearings on bills that would limit the ability of trans girls and women to play on sports teams that match their gender. But earlier this month, she told Nomin Ujiadin that what keeps her going is her chance to make a difference. Here's their conversation, which originally aired May 5th. It's been edited for length. Generally, how has the session been for you? I think this session has been more emotionally charged than my first session. Now, it, it may simply be because the fact that, you know, it was so green last year that the expression that it's like trying to take a drink of water out of a fire hose is so apropos. There's so much information coming at you that, that I didn't have time to maybe react as much. Uh, this one's been been tough because, you know, uh, being a, a transgender woman, we knew going in that we were going to see legislation that was going to attack the trans community. And that stayed in the back of my mind. And then when it actually did happen, uh, it wasn't just legislation alone. It was accompanied by hateful comments on social media, hateful emails, and, you know, as well as just an incredible number of people stepping up in support. But there's an, an, an emotional exhaustion that comes from having those repeated attacks over and over again. So as you mentioned, there were a number of bills relating to LGBTQ issues, uh, especially in schools this year. Um, I'm wondering, since you're a former educator, how do you feel about some of those? One of the things that frustrates me, uh, extremely frustrates me on these things, is that when we talk about American exceptionalisms, one of those exceptionalisms in my book is the public school, the willingness to educate everyone, to meet people where they're at and try to move them as far as we can to give them the best chance at, at a, a well-rounded life when they leave school. And in connection with that, we have created uh, a sense of safety and one that's well-deserved so that you come to school and you're in a safe place. You're in a place where people respect who you are. You're in a place where you can ask questions and, and discover knowledge. And here we come with this these bills of rights that aren't really parental rights. They serve no purpose except for attack educators and give a way to restrict people from finding out information about themselves and where to go. We've created now a school where it's questionable as to whether or not it's safe to go in. And not just for the students that walk in the doors because of the same negative ideology being pushed out, resulting in people being elected to school boards across Kansas. We have educators that are walking into classrooms unsure if it's a safe place to be anymore. We've, we've lived in a country that, that doesn't seem to care enough uh, about weapons to figure out some way to keep them out of schools. And so we see school shootings every now and then. As a teacher, you go into the building, you wonder if today is the day that someone's going to come into your school. 
um, and you think, what are my plans? What am I going to do? How am I going to take care of my kids? And that's just heightened. And then with all the other rhetoric on top of that, now you're wondering, it's not just if someone's going to come in and, and you know, bring a firearm in. Now it's also someone going to come in and take my textbooks out of my classroom and tell me I can't teach that anymore. You know, the true life diary of a part-time Indian is no longer allowed in some places. Those, those type of things, it just adds stress onto stress. And when you take a 10,000 foot view, it really looks like an intentional undermining and destabilizing of American public education. There have been a lot of reports of school districts in Kansas and and other places around the country banning books that have been written by LGBTQ authors and and authors of color. I mean, how does that make you feel as somebody who identifies as trans and Native American? It's disappointing. You know, the philosophy that they bring forward about, you know, it's not the state's responsibility to teach these to our kids, it's ours. Well, that's true. I think that parents should have the responsibility, but that doesn't mean the kids should not be exposed. You know, kids need to be exposed to things, especially if it's someone who identifies as part of that community, to look for that information, to find ways to go, oh, I'm not alone. And then if a parent says, can, you know, kid comes home and says, hey, we read this or I read this in the library, then the parent can have a discussion with the child about how their family values are, are maybe the same or different. But that the child needs that opportunity. There's too many people that are out there that don't know it's safe to say something to their parents. So the only way they find out information about the things that they are struggling with when they're trying to figure out if it's safe to be themselves or or not, they find in their school library, they find it in their their teachers, they find it in those ways to where they discover that this isn't me alone. Do you feel like these bills and these policies are indicative of a rise in anti-LGBTQ sentiment in Kansas or in the political realm generally? I, I can tell that from my perspective, what I've seen is as a nation, we have become much more accepting of the LGBTQ community. Uh, you know, you think about the fact that oh, the Obergefell decision was just 2015. It was just seven years ago. And look at where we are at now, where you, you see same-sex relationships depicted in commercials and on television and in the movies. And, you know, it, it's, it's not that unusual. And we've grown to accept that. We're in the process of accepting transgender identities, whether we're talking about, you know, actresses like Laverne Cox we see on mainstream television, or we're talking about the, the presence of, you know, uh, Admiral Rachel Levine in the the cabinet positions in, in, you know, the White House, we see that exception taking place as well. And what this seems to me is a knee-jerk reaction to that exception. The people that are frustrated about it are using this as a tool to reverse things and to push the LGBTQ people back into the closet. It seems like a weird thing to say, but if you think about, for instance, trans athletes, if you take them out of the papers, if you put them where they can't be in that that mainstream American newspaper that talks about the kid that ran the track meet, you've taken one level of acceptance away from people that may not know somebody directly who is trans, but now they don't see somebody. And so you're reversing that course. You're, you're turning this back into the United States of the 60s and the 70s. and you know, that I've lived through that. I don't want to live through it again. 
So last week, a few news outlets reported that Republican Representative Cheryl Helmer said she felt uncomfortable sharing a bathroom with you. What did it feel like to hear a colleague of yours say something like that? There are two different emotions that came through simultaneously. The the first thing is that that's been the shoe that I've been waiting to drop to to hear it dropped for the last two years. Uh, I you know. I, I didn't run uh, with the idea that this would insulate me from things like that. Um, at the same time, it was surprising because while I have grown to understand that conversations and statements like hers are made in back rooms and behind closed doors throughout the Republican Party in the state of Kansas, they've rarely been said out loud. The fact that she would so egregiously bring this out not just the comments in the email back and forth with the, with the grad student at KU, but also on our own social media, not just doubling down, but tripling down and going beyond. The, the one interview that she gave, she confirmed the things that she was saying and added to. And, you know, it, it's, it's easy to be distracted by those comments and then not notice that when we debated the motion to override the governor's veto on the trans sports bill, that the, the Republican that carried that bill to the floor in her speeches talked about transgender people being, you know, a mental health issue. They're mentally unwell. We had one legislator step up and, and talk about it being a lifestyle. You know, it, a lot of old tropes that that the LGBTQ community has lived through in the early part of the 2000s. And we've gotten to a position where people understand that we are who we are, not by choice, but because that is who we are. Those things are, are kind of being skipped over and not seen because it's easy to focus on the loud person in the room and not notice that it's it's not just her. It's, it's prevalent in more corners, but maybe more Midwestern polite in the way it's brought out loud. Is there anything that I haven't asked you that you would like to add? I think the one thing that needs to be added over and over again, when people operate their lives out of fear, they're afraid of what the future might hold. The future is going to change. There's nothing you can do about that. It will be different tomorrow than it was today. You know, the, the people that were afraid that we would never go back to the way we were before COVID. Well, we never are going to go back to the way we were before COVID because we've all survived a pandemic that none of us had experienced before. And so life changes. The question is, is how do you embrace the new? How do you look at those things? And I would highly recommend to anybody to strongly consider how you can live your life out of love instead of out of fear and let love be what guides you in these things and not not the fear, not not the, the being afraid. Does that mean not to be cautious? No, always be cautious because we live in a wild world sometimes. But don't let fear be the driving decision maker. Let it be love. Let it be how you can help somebody else out be what drives your decisions. Let it be how you can help your community be what drives your decisions. And let that love be what we see from everybody. That was Kansas Representative Stephanie Byers of Wichita speaking with KCUR's Nomeen Ujiadeen earlier this month. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Brian Ellison. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news coverage from Kansas City's NPR station, visit kcur.org. Have a safe and enjoyable Memorial Day, and thanks for listening. 
Thank you.